good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? How many of you celebrate with me this morning that you are a child of God and you are so thankful to be a child of God? What an amazing time of worship that we just experienced here this morning. It's good to be back with you. Uh, last week, Linnell and I had an opportunity to get away and celebrate 30 years of marriage. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, is just I'm so grateful for. And uh, I have the, the most wonderful wife in the whole world. And uh, I know you husbands out there would disagree with me, but that's just where I stand. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, right? So uh, I tell you, it's, it's, it was wonderful. We had a chance to, to get away to several different places. Uh, one of the things that we enjoy doing together is camping. And I know that some of you uh, wives out there are probably thinking, if my husband took me somewhere camping on my 30th anniversary, but that truly is something that we enjoy. And we were able to get away to several different places. We went to the Adirondacks in New York, upstate New York, and then we went over to the coast of, of Maine. And then we had this unique opportunity to turn and go into the interior part of Maine to where as you, uh, if you want to get there, you don't punch in an address, you punch in GPS coordinates. And so uh, we, we began striking out, and we were on this amazing adventure, and the road went from pavement to sort of broken pavement until finally it was a dirt road, then it was just sort of gravel. And then we were on this path, and we were wondering, is this the place where people go and never return from? Because 30 miles into this trip, we were like, what in the world? And finally, we, we came around the curve, and, and there was a place we were going to be camping, and it was amazing. We had this amazing spot right on this river. It was very, uh, very um, famous for fly fishermen. I'm not a fly fisherman, but there were a lot of them there, and they were doing that sort of thing. It was just picture perfect, and, and it was an opportunity for me to just sort of disconnect for a while and... Uh, uh, our staff here, they know that, uh, that I am horrible at disconnecting. I don't like to be disconnected, but I know I need to be disconnected. And so uh, just being off the grid for me was very challenging, but it was a very restful time. And I'll tell you, 49-degree nights in the middle of summer doesn't hurt a thing, right? Amen? So coming back to 105 in high humidity is just, uh, you know, is just the realities of life. But it is truly good to see you here this morning. I'm so thankful to to be able to dive into God's Word here with you this morning, be a part of, of just seeing what God wants to do in our hearts. And, and I tell you, I believe God's got something really remarkable for us this morning. So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into His Word. Pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank You for Your presence. And Lord, as we were singing here just a few moments ago, Lord, I, I found myself being so thankful for a worship team that gets it a worship team that leads us uh, to a place where we worship with our, with our hearts and our souls. And Lord, we, we find ourselves just thinking about your goodness and Lord, celebrating that we are children of God. And so Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you, Father, for what you are gonna do in this place today, what you're gonna do in our hearts as we dive into your word. Lord, we are so thankful for your word, how it encourages us and how it challenges us and how it teaches us and how it leads us to be who we need to be as disciples of Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to dive into your word this morning. And I pray, Father, that as we get into your word here this morning, that you would speak deeply into our hearts. Help us to set aside every distraction 
that exist in our minds right now. Help us to set that aside that we may hear your voice. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when we, when we launched this series called Free, we talked about two issues that Christians have struggled with since, really, since Jesus' day. Things that, that Jesus taught his disciples and that we as a church have learned uh, through the reading and the preaching of his word, things that we know as believers in Christ Jesus, but yet we still struggle with these things. One of those being our identity in Christ Jesus, and two, our freedom in Christ Jesus. And we struggle with those things. They go hand in hand together, and we talked about how we would be over the next couple of weeks talking about these issues, how we are no longer ones who should be identified by uh, the things of the flesh, but rather the things of Christ. That's where our identity is today as believers in Christ Jesus, as children of God. That's where our identity should lie. But then also knowing that we have been set free from sin in our life and that being set free from sin that we should no longer pursue the things of this world and those things that are sinful, but rather turn to Christ and pursue Jesus in all that we do. That should be the heart that flows from our very being as we think about who we are in Jesus, that we, we are children of God who are in this, this crazy pursuit of Jesus and his righteousness, knowing that we are not righteous on our own, that we are indeed unrighteous on our own, but in Christ Jesus, he has made us righteous and, and that we are pursuing this righteousness and this this great life that he promises us in him. And so we've learned all that. We spoke a lot about freedom in Christ from our sin. And this morning, I want to focus more on the identity in Christ Jesus as we sort of make a shift in this, this series called Free. Again, remembering that these two go hand in hand, so you really can't talk about freedom in Christ without also looking at our identity in Christ Jesus. And so if you will, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to the book of Proverbs today. Go ahead and turn there with me if you will. We're going to be looking at chapter 28, Proverbs 28. We're going to be looking there this morning. And you know, one of the things that we know about the book of Proverbs is it's one of the wisdom books. It's one of the books that, that offers to us wisdom. We can glean wisdom from this book like we can with Psalms or Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon. It's, it's one of those types of books. And so if we want to make wise choices in life, if we want to be a wise person, no doubt, this is a place that we can go. And so this morning we're going to be diving into this and looking at the book of Proverbs and, and specifically chapter 28. The book of Proverbs is a book of contrast. If you've ever read it, you would know what I'm talking about because what it typically does is you read one thing, you know, it, it typically focuses on the, the foolish uh, and, and the wise. And so it says, you know, if you do this, you are wise, and if you do this, you are foolish. And so it's sort of, we see that wisdom creeping in there, but it's a book of contrast. It's constantly saying, you could either be this or you could be that. You could be this or you could be that. You could be wicked or you could be righteous. You could be lazy or you could be someone who works hard. I mean, it has all these different contrasts that we see as we walk through 
the book of Proverbs. And what we begin to notice as we read through the book of Proverbs is that there are really about five main or leading themes that we see that come to us in these little clusters. We see these themes that just sort of reappear over and over and over all the way through the book of Proverbs. In fact, as you read through Proverbs, if you are reading through Proverbs or if you uh, would read through Proverbs, you would begin to see these clusters, and it almost would seem redundant. It's like, yeah, you, you know, I've, I've, I've learned that in the last chapter. And, and in fact, I learned that five uh, verses ago. And then here it is again, another little cluster of these, these leading themes. And so I want to give you these five leading themes to sort of kick us off here this morning as we prepare to dive into this amazing book of Scripture. The first theme, or one of the themes, is, is integrity. And it talks about the honesty of man or, if we contrast that, the dishonesty of man, right? And so it talks about being a person of integrity or it talks about, it often talks about being a person of integrity or being a person who is not a person of integrity. So we see that contrast, but that's one of the, the themes that we see here. Another theme is our work ethic. If you go to Proverbs over and over and over through the reading of Proverbs, you will see that it condemns Laziness, And so it talks a lot about being a servant or, or a, uh, someone who works hard. We're going to dive into that and talk about that in just a moment as well. Another theme that we see that it deals with is faithfulness. Talking about faithfulness to God. Being one who, who loves God, who is faithful to God versus, if it's a book of contrast, someone who is not faithful to God. So that, that's a theme that we begin to see. And then another one speaks on relationships. And it does this in a, a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's talking about marriage. Sometimes it's talking about being a good wife or a, a good uh, mother or a good uh, father or husband. Or sometimes it's talking about, uh, you know, uh, intimate relationships. Sometimes it's talking about uh, parenting. So we see this thing sort of surface all the time. Another leading theme is relationships. And then finally, we see one of the themes that Proverbs covers quite often is generosity, generosity, or dealing with financial matters. And so we see that sort of popping up there, being generous versus being greedy, those kinds of things. And so these are the leading themes that you see in the book of uh, Proverbs as you read through it, starting with chapter 1 all the way through. Like I say, they, these themes come at us in these little clusters, and they teach us something. They, they really are amazing when we begin to look at it. Now, here's the thing. Preaching from the book of Proverbs can be challenging because the temptation for preachers, as we look at all these things we shouldn't do and we look at all the things that we should do, you know, the things that are, that are foolish and the things that are unfoolish, the temptation for preachers is often to preach this moralistic sort of message. You know, you need to do this, you don't need to do that, and then sort of tack Jesus on the end by saying, you can't do this on your own, so turn to Jesus. And so we find ourselves, we, we are sort of tempted to, to, to preach this moralistic sort of message pointing to Jesus as being our hope and the one who turns us away from all of these things. But that's not really how Proverbs is designed to teach us. What we begin to notice as we read through Proverbs, and I love this, I love the way Proverbs does this, but as we read through it, it's not that we should, 
you know, find ourselves in this place where we're struggling with the, the moral issues that Proverbs is presenting and, and thinking that, you know, we are condemned and, and just have no hope in life. But no, Proverbs has this way of pointing to Jesus as being the one that's always wise. As we know as believers in Christ Jesus, as disciples, as we know as children of God, that Jesus has set the ultimate example of how we are to live our life and so as we go through life, making decisions, making choices, as we think about those things, as we are processing all of these things, you know, how to be wise versus unwise, the one we should be looking to is Jesus. And so Proverbs has this way of, of pointing to Jesus as being the one whom we should follow. If we're going to follow anyone, let us follow Christ. Amen? And so are you with me this morning? If we're going to follow anyone, we should follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? All right. Yeah. Boy, for a minute, I thought you missed that. You're like, I don't know. I'm still, you're still wondering if, you know, following Jesus is a, a wise thing to do. Uh, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you are. But I think for most of us, we believe that if we're going to follow anyone, it should be who? Jesus. Amen. Yeah, it's right up there in case you missed it, okay? And so, so here's where we find ourselves as we dive into Proverbs and we begin to try to understand this now the implication we got to talk about this the implication that proverbs is making is that you are either wise or a fool <laughs> you are either wise or foolish because all the way through it's this is wise this is not this is wise this is not this is wise this is not and so you find yourself going well which am i you know and and, and you read this and you go whoops you know that's that's where I find myself. And, and so Proverbs is one of those books that's sort of challenging, isn't it? It's, it, it challenges us to the core. It, 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 it causes us to think and consider where we stand in all of this. And obviously, we want to be the wise. Amen? We want to be the one who makes the wise choices and lives our lives the way Jesus would live his life, the way he's taught us how to live our life. And so the implication that is made is that we're either wise or we're either foolish. But as we read through Proverbs, we begin to understand that it's okay to be challenged. You can't be both wicked and righteous, can you? You can't, you can't be both wicked and righteous. And so it's good to see, well, this may point to wickedness, this may point to righteousness, but as we read this, our hearts should be inclined toward trying to figure out where we are that we could look to Jesus and try to understand how it is that we need to live our life. Look to him as the one who set that perfect standard for righteousness. It's not something that we should be offended by. It's something we should use to evaluate our own spiritual life. And so as we walk through this here this morning, this is what we're going to do. It's not just something that we should you know, just chew on is something that we should use to, to examine our hearts. So that's what we want to do this morning. Proverbs 28, we're looking at verses 18 through 22. Now, I had a, I had a title for this message, and it just didn't fit. I, as, I, as I looked at it, and I prayed through it, and I, I put this thing together, it just didn't fit. So I just thumped it out, okay? We don't need a title anyway. Here's what we got. We got Proverbs 28, verses 18 through 20. Two. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. So if you need a title, a title, just put Proverbs 28, 
verses 18 through 22. That's what we got, okay? But let's look at this here this morning. I think it's really amazing what this thing, the reason I chose this passage is because I think that this passage sort of deals with all five of those major or leading themes that we see throughout the whole thing. Here they are, here they are all together. And I love that. So we can look at this and we kind of get a glimpse of the whole book of Proverbs, right? So let's look at this together. Starting with verse 18. It says, whoever walks in integrity will be, deli- will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. You see how it contrasts there? Starts off, it says, whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but, there's always that but there, you know, but he who is crooked, someone who is not a person of integrity, it says, in his ways will suddenly fall. We read Verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of uh, poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. A stingy man, in verse 22, a stingy man will hasten after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. So let's just look at that for just a moment. Let's, let's dive into there. And, and this is, there, there's a lot. This, I, I, I didn't tell you this on the onset of this message, but this is a three-hour message. Okay, there's just no getting around it. Okay, I'm sorry. It just is. I've got 48 pages of notes here for, to preach through, and we're just on page one. So here we go. So we look at this, and the first theme that is dealt with is integrity. You know, I said that was one of the leading themes of Proverbs, integrity, right? And so we look here, and, and we begin to realize that immediately it's dealing with, in fact, it uses this word in the ESV. And one of the things that you can see if you do a word search, a biblical word search on, on the word integrity, if you go to one of the websites that allows you to, to punch in just one word, see what what passages pop up, you will see Proverbs just pop up everywhere because it deals with this theme of integrity. And so here we see this passage where it begins to contrast being someone who is honest, being honest people versus being people who are crooked in their ways, being someone who are people of integrity or being people who are not people of integrity. It says here in verse 18, whoever walks in integrity will be delivered I love that. We'll be delivered. And we're going to see at the end of all this how these passages and all of these passages, because of who Christ Jesus is, it points to our redemption, okay? And so here we see this sort of reference to our, uh, to our redemption. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his way will suddenly fall. This message is very simple. Dishonesty has no heart, no place in the heart of a child of God. Dishonesty has no place in the heart of a child of God. We have this little saying in, in culture these days, well, that was just a little white lie. Well, was it a lie or was it not, you know? Dishonesty of any amount has no place in the heart 
of a child of God, of a, of a believer in Christ Jesus. Of uh, The passage here and all the passages that we could possibly look at speak about this reality that we are called to be people of integrity as children of God, as followers of Christ, as, as people who worship the living God. And so here we see this contrast. It says we, should, we will be delivered if we're people of integrity, but if he who has crooked ways will find himself suddenly fall. And then then we, we talked about how this points to Jesus. Immediately, what should come to my, our mind is, well, what about Jesus? How, how does he set the example? And we know that Jesus is perfectly upright in every way. Amen? How many of you believe that Jesus is perfectly righteous here this morning? Anybody? Anybody think that Jesus has any problems in the world? And so Jesus is the one whom we turn and look to as we consider our own integrity. He is, to say that Jesus is a man of integrity is really an understatement, isn't it? Because he's perfect in every way. And so he sets the bar so high for us. I mean, he, if we want to know what integrity looks like, just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. One of the places that Linnell and I had an opportunity to go to was a, was a campground on this beautiful lake in the Adirondacks right outside of Lake Placid. And, uh, and, and we were camping there. And so they, we, we knew that they rented canoes, and it was very cheap. It was like $20 for 24 hours. I mean, I can't paddle that long. But, but anyway, so I go up there. And, 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 but one of the things that I did when we left is I took my own paddles. I, I'm kind of funny like that. I don't like the, you know, the, the, the plastic paddles. I don't like the aluminum paddle. I like my wooden paddle. And so Linnell probably thought that was a little strange that I carried my own paddle. But, but I took my own paddle, okay? And so we go up here. And so we set up camp on this beautiful lake, and I say, I'm going to go rent us a canoe so we can paddle around the lake and look at the loons. There's loons. I, I've never seen a loon. They make eerie noises at night. We thought there was like monsters in the woods. But anyway, we, uh, I go down there to the ranger station, and I walk up to one of the, the park rangers, and I tell them I want to rent a canoe, and they say it'd be $20, and that gives you, what we do is we give you the PDFs and, and, and your paddles, and you go to one of four places, and you just get a canoe, and it's just that easy. And, and I said, well, that's, that's fine. I brought my own paddles. And she said, you brought your own paddles? She thought that was weird, just like Linnell probably thought that was weird, and I didn't think it was weird at all. And I said, yes, I brought my own paddles. And she said, okay, okay well, nobody ever brings their own paddles, but, but here's, you know, here's what you need. Just go to those places, get a canoe, and if you will, just return it within 24 hours. And I said, well, that's, that's easy. So as I started walking away, she says, hey, I just want to say this. Thank you for being honest. I said, what? Thank you for being honest. I mean, bringing your own paddles, you could have just gone to any of one of these four docks, and you could have gotten a canoe and paddled away, and we would have never known it. I said, that was an option? No, I didn't. I really, I, I did not say that. I, I, I promise you, that was not what I said. I, I didn't say that at all. I said, I said, well, yeah, we want to do the thing, you know, the, the right way. We don't want to we don't want to just take a canoe. I don't want to go to jail. I mean, you know, I'd hate for that to be in the front page of about us the Daily Times. So anyway, you know, pastor steals canoe. So anyway, you know, I said, no, we want to do the right thing. But as I walked away, I remembered that this Sunday I would be preaching on this. And I remembered this particular verse that says, you know, that for the, for the child of God, we should be people of integrity. We shouldn't be trying to get away with something that's dishonest. And so here we see that this is really the first contrast that we begin to, to read about, the first thing that we begin to understand. I love what 1 Peter 2, 21 says. It says this. It says, 
For to this you have been called. To what? To be a follower of Christ, right? To be someone who takes on the image of Jesus. Amen? Our identity is no longer who we used to be in the flesh. We have been transformed by the power and the blood of Jesus so that we are no longer who we used to be in the flesh, but now, instead, we are children of God. We have been redeemed by Jesus himself. We have been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been set free from our sins, and so we are to walk with integrity as children of God. And so 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Do you, any of you here believe for one moment that Jesus would not be a person of integrity? We can't even imagine, can we? He is so holy, he is so righteous, we can't even go there. And that's who we are supposed to be. And so that's the first contrast. Here's the second one that it deals with. The second one deals with work ethic. And we begin to read in verse 19, we begin to read this. It says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Will have plenty of poverty. So once again, we see the contrast, right? This is a book of contrast. This is what it does. It says, this is a wise man. This is a foolish man. This isn't how you should live your life. This is how. And so here we see it. it's no different. So in verse 19, it says, whoever works his land will have plenty. So again, we begin to see this, this theme that surfaces, and this theme is dealing with work ethic. It's dealing with the, the opposite, if you will, of slothfulness or laziness, which Proverbs has a lot to say about. Again, if you go and you read all the way through Proverbs, and here's something I just encourage you to do. Take a, a chapter in Proverbs every day, there's 28, and read through them in a month. Do that. I mean, you can, you know, you got a couple extra days if there's 31 days in the month. So, you, you know, you can go through them and read them and, and, and just, you know, read through the book of Proverbs. And then at the end, if you haven't memorized it, start over. Right? I mean, think about it. If it's a book of wisdom, why wouldn't we be reading this? And so here it says, here it says, a faith, uh, uh, whoever works his, his land will have plenty of bread, but whoever follows these worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Dozens of Proverbs praise a diligent worker. Dozens and dozens praise a diligent worker. And at the same time, at the same time, what can be, it lays out what can be expected to come with laziness and slothfulness and apathy. I know we talked about apathy just last week. Again, these things have no place in the heart of a child of God. These things have no place. And, and we know that because as we begin to look in Scripture, we begin to see that Jesus was about hard work. He was about working. He was about serving. We know that Jesus was a man who came. He came to serve. And so he set the example in serving. And so we begin to see this. This is one of the major themes of all of this, this 
work ethic. And so we see this and we, we understand this. We, we begin to realize that Jesus wasn't lazy. In fact, he, he, he worked very hard at what he did. He wasn't some cool dude that walked around in flip-flops and just sort of tried to dodge work every chance he got. That wasn't who he was. He wasn't that guy. He was a guy who came with a purpose. He came with a plan. He came to accomplish God's will. And so as he came, he fulfilled that mission that he was on every day living out his life with a strong work ethic. Now here's what we know about Jesus. Here's what we Here's three things that we know about Jesus. One, he worked hard. John 5, 17. He worked hard. He, he wasn't a sloucher. He was, he, was constantly, he was constantly working hard. Here's another thing that we know about Jesus. That he told often through the night. John 6, 12 teaches us that. That he would often toil through the night. Many, many times he would go off alone and he would spend time in prayer, which is a part of his, his, his role. He would spend time in prayer and he would toil in prayer through the night. And then here's the third thing that we learn about Jesus is that he taught his disciples to also work diligently. If you want to see that, just read all the Gospels. It's there. It's there. And so he had this strong worth ethic. And so as we read this passage, it contrasts one who toils and one who works and one who, 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 who serves against one who is unwise and lazy. Now, why would we need to know that? Why would we need to see that in Scripture? Well, I think it's because we have a responsibility to work hard for our families. We have a responsibility to work hard for our children. We have a responsibility as children of God to work hard for our church, for our ministries, to not be lazy in what we do. That's why here at Cross Point Church, you, you'll hear us say as we talk about our mission and how we accomplish things, we do that, we say that with four easy words, connect, grow, what? Serve. Uh-oh. None of you knew that one? Serve. You know, here, here's what you may not realize while you're sitting here this morning. While we're all sitting here enjoying the, the, this time of worship together through, through, through praise songs and adoration, and we, we have such a wonderful band, and, and, and we have the most amazing pastor who preaches the truth, and we just enjoy that so much. While we're sitting here doing all of that, there are people who are serving outside of these walls, who have committed Sunday after Sunday to work hard and diligently and i'm not saying please don't all y'all get up and go they've got it covered okay i don't want you to be so convicted that you say well let's get to work now i mean you know it's covered but i'm just saying that that we have a responsibility to work so that we can support our families and our children and our church and our ministry the things that we have been gathered together to corporately take on in this community amen we are called to reach the city and beyond for jesus it's not just simply about us and so here we see this this passage this theme that reoccurs all the way through proverbs this theme of dealing with laziness and work ethic so that's one of them here's the third one i told you this was a four-hour message i've got well, that says I've got 32 minutes to go. That can't be right. 
Maybe that's seconds. I don't know. We're not going to worry about it, though, are we? We're going we're gonna to preach all four hours today. Just text your friends and say, I'm not going to make it, okay? No, I'm kidding. The passage in Proverbs, it also teaches us about faithfulness. We said this, faithfulness seems to be a theme, a common theme. And obviously, it's talking about faithfulness to God, right? Faithfulness to God. And so here we read this passage where it says, a faithful man will abound in blessing, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Now, here's what that really means for us to understand here. It's talking about perspective and focus. It's talking about the man who has got his sights on God. And he is faithful to God. And if God calls him here, he goes. If God calls him there, he goes. He's faithful to God. He's serving God. He is faithful to God. He is always looking to God. And so he is faithful. But if we follow our own pursuits, leaving God out of the picture, if we follow our own desires, our own heart desires, and and oftentimes following our flesh instead of the righteousness of Christ and the will of God, then we find ourselves in contrast of being wise. We find ourselves in being foolish. What, What the proverb says here is a faithful man will abound in blessing. There's great reward for being faithful, but there's also consequences for not being faithful. And so here we see this. I love what Watchman Nee, he was, a, he was a church leader in China who was persecuted for his faith. He spent many, many years in prison. And he said this once. He said, God gives us his own self totally to us that we may offer ourselves totally to him. This is a man who spent most of his life in prison for doing God's work. And yet he was able to say, you know what? I am going to remain faithful no matter what the consequences. I'm going to remain faithful because I understand the consequences of not being faithful. And so faithful becomes one of those that we begin to understand as a theme throughout Proverbs. John 12, 49 through 50, it says this, for I have not spoken on my own authority. This is Jesus saying this, because remember, Proverbs is always pointing to the one who is most wise, right? He's always pointing to Jesus. It's always saying, if we would say, well, how can we learn about being wise? Well, look to Jesus. That's what, that's what we know, okay? And so here we see where, where Jesus says this in John 12, 49 and 50. He says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. That to say and that to say and what to speak. And look at verse 50. He says, And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Do you see the faithfulness of the Son to the Father? The faithfulness of the Son? I mean, Jesus was Jesus, man. Jesus do what he wants to do, right? Jesus is Jesus, and, 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 and yet what we see here is we see Jesus who says, you know what, I'm going to remain faithful to the Father. And so in the same way as we consider what is a wise decision, I mean, is it okay to be unfaithful? I, I don't think so. Jesus says, I was always being faithful to the Father. So if we're looking to Jesus, if Jesus is the one whom we want to follow and set our lives according to, if we want to be Christ-like, if we want to be you know, pursuing his righteousness, if we want to be like Jesus, then we need to be faithful. And that's what this passage is teaching us. Number four, 
Fourth thing that we are dealing with here today is relationships. And this may not be what you might have expected, but here's what this one addresses here today. It doesn't deal with marriage or parenting. It doesn't deal with, you know, relationships in the home. It, but it does talk about something that is very important that we often don't talk about. Look at this with me. It, it, it says this in verse 21. It says, to show partiality is not good. But, here's the contrast, for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. In other words, what he's saying is, and this isn't really a contrast as much, because what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, if we show par partiality, we're in the wrong. That's no good. To show partiality toward one person and not toward another. Especially when it comes to our uh, involvement in our community and dealing with other people. And, and, and not just dealing with other people, but doing ministry with other people. There's this, this challenge that is given to us not to show favoritism over another. And he brings up, we see this amazing sort of thought that is presented to us when he says, listen, he says, to show partiality is not good, to show favoritism is not good, but it says the reality is sometimes a piece of bread a man will do wrong. In other words, he will go to those with money, and those who, those are who he serves, and then he'll overlook the ones who have no money. We know that because as we read through this proverb and many others, there's a lot of talk about the poor. Let me ask you a question here today. How many of you would be just blessed beyond measure if Jesus showed partiality and he looked over you for somebody who was rich? Somebody that really would benefit the kingdom. That wouldn't sit well with us, does it? So as we look at Jesus being the example, our ultimate example of how we are to live our life, of how we are to understand these, these core themes that, that Proverbs is teaching as we think about all of that and we, we look to Jesus and we see that Jesus is a true friend to all, isn't he? He doesn't show favoritism. As we read through the Gospels, as we, as we begin to understand this, we begin to realize that Jesus, he, he, is a, he is a true friend. And the principal saying of Proverbs points to true friendship and not favoritism. It points to loyalty to all. It, 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 and so this particular proverb, verse 21, it says don't show partiality because it is no good. Don't be the guy who gives in to someone just because you can benefit from that. Remember, as children of God, we are called to live our life according to the will of God. Living our life and pursuing the things that God has set us on a path to pursue. I don't know if they still do this in school anymore. But I know when I was in elementary school and maybe even in middle school, um, oftentimes the PE teacher, you'd go out to PE and the PE teacher would, would get two people. They were usually just star you know, pupils or something. And he would set them up and you're going to play a game of kickball. And what would they do? They'd tell them to pick sides, right? And so... I hated that. Let me just say this. I hated that because I was always the last guy to be picked. Even though I was a professional at kickball, okay? I was professional. And so I was always the guy. I, was, I mean, it's like, I'll take Johnny. I'll take Susan. Oh, no, you didn't take Susan. Over. Uh, okay, okay, go ahead. You know, I'm going to be fourth or fifth, but no, the last one on the team. And they'd say, David, you go and stand behind the fence. We're really not going to need you anyway, you know? And, and I hated that because it showed such partial 
partiality. It showed such favoritism. You see, when I was young, my parents divorced when I was in kindergarten. And as a result of that, I would move from town to town wherever my parents, you know, I would, sometimes I'd live with my mom, sometimes I'd live with my dad. And as a result, the, the kids in school, they never really got to know me. The kids weren't picking based off of whether I was a professional kickball player or not. They were basing their decision off of favoritism. They, they know this person, they're friends with this person, and so that's who they choose to be on their team. That is the very essence of what this passage is teaching us not to do. To show favoritism within the walls of this church to anyone would be a dishonor to that person. And so here we see the Scriptures teaching us as we think about this and we look to Jesus, we begin to realize that Jesus, once again, he sets the perfect example. Amen? He sets the example on this. He says John, in John 15, 12 through 15, it says this. This is my commandment. Jesus says this, that you love one another as I have loved you. How does Jesus love us? How does he, he loves us unconditionally. He doesn't set conditions upon the way he loves. We were singing about that just earlier. And so he loves us unconditionally. And he says this. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his, look at this word, friends. He continues and he says in verse 14, you are my friend if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servants do not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends Jesus not only talked the talk but he walked the walk because he didn't show favoritism toward others if we want to know how to live our life all we have to do is look at Proverbs right man because Proverbs is going to point us to Jesus every time as being the one who shows us now I know you said you've only given us four and you said there were five I'm not done she's just playing she you know we, we just she says I got strong fingers I'll pr- <laughs> settle down Janetta don't you just love our faith family oh man I'll talk to her later <laughs> she's showing no fear is she this morning Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. How many of you here today are glad that Jesus is the one picking sides for his team this morning? That Jesus isn't like some middle schooler who chooses his friends and leaves you to be last. We can look to Jesus as a true friend a true friend because he is finally last I need to hurry because she's playing loud and fast but the passage speaks on the issue of generosity and the lack of it in verse 22 it says this it says a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him you know it's, it's important for us to know as we look at this passage it's important for us to know that God often blesses the faith. And he often does this with riches, but he never blesses the pursuit of riches. What we see Jesus talking about over and over and over and over 
In fact, he talked about this issue more than anything else that he ever talked about was generosity. Being generous with our time, being generous with our finances, our money. Giving to support. Not only working and serving the church, but giving and supporting the church that it can accomplish accomplish its vision that God himself has given us. And so we can't leave this one out either. Right here in this one passage, we've covered the five leading themes that you see throughout Proverbs. These little clusters of truth that come to us over and over and over, I know, these little clusters of truth that, that are in God's Word that is given to us that we may see and that we may evaluate our own hearts and say, well, this is, the, the, this is what a, a wise man does and this is what a, a foolish man does or this is what a, a wise woman may do and this is what a foolish woman may do. And we, we see that in, in these little clusters. And so this sort of wraps up this little cluster, but we always want to turn to Jesus it's important that we understand that the Bible loves a cheerful giver. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand, as Proverbs 28, 25 says, a greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. I want us to sort of finish up with that last phrase. The one who trusts in the Lord will be what? enriched if you believe this morning and I pray you do that the word of God is exactly that it is the word of God and that these promises that we see in all of scripture are not just things to chew on because here's the thing we talked about faithfulness a while ago something we need to realize is that faithfulness is what God always is amen we may find ourselves from time to time straying away from what is right and wrong. We may find ourselves living a life often in sin. But what is so wonderful about this passage in all of Proverbs is that it always points us back to Jesus. It says, you want to see someone who is wise, look at Jesus. You want to see a man who lived a life of integrity, in fact, it was so amazing that he never sinned. Look at Jesus. He sets the bar high, I know. If you want to see a lazy man, Jesus isn't your guy. But if you want to see a guy who served and worked and plowed and gave, then look to Jesus. The scriptures that we have looked at today reveal to us that if we want to understand how to be faithful then look at the faithful son the one who is faithful to his father always Jesus was always quick to say it's not about me it's about being faithful to the father you want to understand about relationships and how we should live our life as children of God as it result as it relates to relationships look at Jesus who is our true friend amen who is our true friend. Look to Jesus because he shows us. He tells us how it's done. 
And the last thing we don't ever want to be is accused of being stingy. When was the last time you heard that word? I hadn't heard that word in forever. Greedy, greed, yeah, I've heard that one. But stingy, we used to use that all the time. I mean, you know, I heard that as a child all the time. Don't be stingy, share with your friends, you know. I never hear that word anymore, but here it is right there in the ESV. Stingy. We don't want to be stingy. We want to be generous. We, we want to be generous as the one who gave it all. Amen? How many of you believe that Jesus gave it all for you and for me? How many of you believe that this morning? Amen? Jesus gave it all for you and me. This is how generous Jesus was. He went to the cross and he died for you and for me. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be like. I don't, I don't mean I want to be Jesus. I mean I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a little Christ. That's what I want to be, a Christian. I, I, want, to, I want to be able to live my life to where Christian means exactly what it is and not some watered-down version that we really come to understand today in our culture because it really has lost its meaning. Because so many Christians are living their life like the world and not Jesus that Christian really doesn't mean anything to a lost person anymore, does it? I want to look to Jesus. And I want Jesus to look to me. And where Jesus challenges us to come to Him, my greatest prayer is that would be the greatest desire of our hearts this morning. So I'm going to pray. And then you respond however God's calling you. Our pastors are down front. I'm down here. If you want to come and pray on this altar, you do whatever you feel that you need to do this morning. Let us all come to Jesus and recognize Him as the one who gave it all.